Welcome everyone. This is Founders on Fire podcast and I'm delighted to welcome our Cloud Trailblazers winner, um, Mansa Karam, who is the president and co-founder of Appstra. Good morning to you. Hello. Good morning. Um, excited to be here. Thank you Good. for the opportunity. Well, excited to have you with us. Um, so, I'm very, very interested in in you guys because obviously you've, you're bringing or you've brought a new concept to market, this intent-based networking. And I'm very also curious about um, your, you know, your founders team because obviously there's yourself who's got an incredible pedigree and then you've got your, um, your CEO, David Cheriton, and also Sasha Rakovich. Um, so I'm curious to ask you a little bit about that whole side of things so um yeah but first off it would be great to understand more about what actually is intent-based networking yeah sure so uh, yes intent-based networking um is a an approach that we pioneered uh back uh, when we came out of stealth in 2016 mm -hmm. um uh, and now it's an industry term, right? Uh, we've seen many established vendors use it. Um, what it is, is think of it as powerful automation. Uh, mm -hmm. And as part of automation, essentially think of abstraction, right? Of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And um, our focus uh, to now has been the data center uh, network, but uh, you know, ultimately, what you're doing is that you're taking out, you know, taking away all the manual tasks and instead mm -hmm. replacing them with software that is providing powerful automation of the tasks that architects and operators are doing day in and day out. And the, the key concept here is that you're separating the the what from the how. So what is it that you're trying to achieve? You know, generally mm -hmm. you're trying to deliver on connectivity, right? Reachability, you know, essentially these are policies that you're implementing. Um, you, you have some goals regarding compliance and security and quality of experience. Mm -hmm. And so essentially the with the way intent-based networking works is that as the operator or the architect, you're describing those types of goals, objectives, and then the software then takes care of translating those goals into, into implementation by configuring all of the devices or all of the systems underneath that together will then deliver on this goal. And, not, and then it doesn't stop there. Uh, you also have to gather all the telemetry and, and ensure that ultimately the network is delivering on this goal. The infrastructure mm -hmm. is delivering on, on this goal. You know, usually I use this, uh, this analogy uh, of uh, the self-driving car and you know, ultimately the goal mm -hmm. here with intent-based networking is autonomous operations where the software is essentially doing the, the bulk of the work of automating your network. And if you think of a self-driving self car, you know, it's not about changing the way the car is designed, right? And similarly here, we're not changing the way the network is designed. You know, we mm. follow standards and industry practices, best practices. But what we're doing though, is that we are collecting a lot of telemetry the same way in, with a, with a, with a self-driving car. The software can't work if it doesn't get uh, awareness of its environment through all of the telemetry that it's gathering. And mm. then... Uh, we're building the software that takes into account 
user intent in the case of the car it's you know i'd like to get to this destination for us it's the concepts i've described and then essentially then this the software is uh is taking on all the complexity of then you know uh, marrying the intent to the operational state of the network to deliver on your intent Got you. Absolutely. So, so that's so that's intent-based networking, and I can, we can get into the pain points as to why this is needed, if you'd like. Well, complexity is never a great thing to deal with when you've got lots of other objectives. That, that's, exa- that, that's exactly right, and, and I think that, uh, especially uh, you know, in today's world where um, you know te- technology is paramount, right, and organizations are digitally transforming. Right, mm-hmm. they business the business requirements is driving a requirement for infrastructures to transform. Right, and then the, you know mm-hmm. I think what uh, what Gardner has said is that if you don't transform your infrastructure, you're three times more likely to uh, fail in your digital transformation initiative. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the reasons are clear. I think that if you uh, you need it in an infrastructure that is more distributed, closer to your end user, but also you need to be responding to change a lot more uh, uh, quickly, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so, and so, if it, there are new business requirements that come up every day that essentially change what we call your intent, essentially what you're trying to get out of your network. And you know, you may want to be adding a rack or be adding a new application or new users. And every time you do this, you need to make changes to your network. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in doing so in, with this new requirement, it, uh, operators and architects are experiencing this painful trade-off, especially operators, right? Between, on one hand, agility, right? The ability to respond quickly to those requests and, on the other hand, reliability, right? So, you know, you could try and make changes quickly without the proper tools or the proper software to meet your business demand. But then what you're risking is causing outages right and so and we certainly have seen many stories over the years of catastrophic outages caused by operators making changes quickly to meet those you know business driven deadlines and so reliability becomes an issue and of course the primary source of failure is this human error that's you know with a human attempting to make all of those changes quickly to meet those deadlines and so, so, so that's, you know, that's if you try and make the changes quickly. Well, the alternative then is to make changes really slowly, but then you're impacting your ability to respond to the business needs, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and, and today that's what we see. It's common for enterprises to take weeks, you know, up to six months, six months in some cases, and dozens of people, right, involved to make a change because of all the procedures, approvals, tech reviews, et cetera. Uh, you know, required to ensure the level of reliability that that is uh, that they need, and so ultimately it leaves the operator squeezed between the business and the process, including all these manual actions and, and approvals. Yeah. Right. So, so, so you know, that's one of the pain points. It's kind of like this trade-off between agility and reliability. Right. The the other pain point is uh, this constrained vendor choice. You know, in fact, we see a lot of customers or a lot of organizations that just use one vendor, right? And this, and of course, it results in best of breed and, and no best of breed and then non-competitive bidding, right? So, you know, procurement is affected. You know, essentially they can't have multiple options where they can bring costs down. And the reason people, the reason organizations have had this lack of flexibility or are a single vendor or have this constrained vendor's choice um, is that uh, it takes 
a lot of time and investment required for operators to gain training, get training on those multiple vendors. And so uh, instead of making this investment, they'd rather just use, you know, one vendor and have that expertise with that just one vendor. No. And I'd say, you know, last but not least, architects, now on the, if you look at the architecture side, and these are kind of architecture pain points, uh, yeah. the, there is a, there is a uh, speed pain point. And you know, think of it from an architecture standpoint, the business requirement comes in, you need to build up a new data center, right? And it needs to be done by this, by this uh, deadline. And you know, it takes, you know, though it takes a long time, to manually deploy and activate an infrastructure from scratch once the business required it, which, which you know, ultimately can result in business delays, right? So, and if you if you look at all of these problems, so we're talking about agility, we're talking about reliability, uh, lack of uh, you know lack of options or constrained vendor choice, and then speed. Ultimately, the overall theme is that it's a people problem, right? It's a human capital problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to use your human capital in the most effective way, and certainly, you know, doing things manually is just not the right option. And so, what you need is, and, and current technologies essentially don't help with this trade-off between agility and speed on one side, and then reliability on the other side. And so, what we saw is this need for this powerful automation solution that covers all of day zero, day one, all the way to do plus so that you can meet all of those requirements and address these pain points. And that's essentially what Aptra was founded to deliver. And I think, you know, the big idea here is this, 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 uh, uh, this realization that what you need is a tool that both architects and operators use, right? So the architects use it to, yeah. uh, to automate their design and their builds of their of their uh, uh, of their of their infrastructure and then network infrastructure and then the operators use it to operate it, including you know troubleshooting, including making changes, etc. And so it's bringing these architects and these operators together in this uh, very effective with this very in this in this very uh, you know kind of streamlined solution that allows them to effectively uh, address those pain points and then. Ultimately, with the smallest number of architects and operators, uh, they can become a lot more effective at responding quickly to the business demand while maintaining these high levels of reliability. Brilliant. Thank you. That was very useful. I've certainly got a much better understanding of that now. Um, to Going away from the technology itself, um, looking more at the, the journey that you, uh, David and Sasha, have been on as the founders of Appstra, what would you say have been some of the challenges that you've faced and, and, and hopefully overcome? Right. So we're, you know, we, we, built, we built a business from scratch. And so mm. <laughs> essentially, uh, this, uh, this, you know, startups have, you know, I, I think every founder will tell you that uh, every day you wake up, right, there are problems and challenges to solve. Mm. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, essentially, it requires this extraordinary effort and this, you know, massive amount of energy by everyone right uh, to uh, to to get to our to execute essentially on on the vision and it, it translate this vision to reality uh, you know so if i were to you know um, pick uh, a, you know one one example i'd say you know one you know challenge with i which i thought that for us was uh, company defining was when 
um, you know, we had a lot of interest from uh, a particular company in the early days of Appstra. This was our first organization that was going to deploy in production and they had their own deadlines and it was our 1.1 product, right? And so it was a very early uh, version of the software yeah. and they had made some uh, some uh, they, they had uh, uh, made some requirements they had some requirements that they wanted us to deliver on which meant that we needed to make changes to the software and at the time you know there, because it was an early version of the software we were still you know in testing and there were you know a few uh, quite a few bugs that we were still in the process of resolving <laughs> right mm -hmm. um, and so uh, you know when you looked at it you know it was like how are we going to get from this point where we are now to you know delivering a production ready version of the software for this customer in their environment that essentially is going to run their network right within and it was you know there was we, we had a month right it was four weeks and to me what was amazing is how this team came just together so tightly uh you know and so intently to deliver on this challenge uh, and ultimately, it was a very stressful month, but we you know, we, we delivered, and the deployment the deployment was was successful. I just you know I will always remember it as this beautiful company defining moment. Well, you've just answered the next part of the question is what you're particularly proud of. So well done, <laughs> you've wrapped that up. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, certainly that was that was something that um uh, that we're certainly proud uh, proud of. And again, I think as a startup, as every time you meet a goal or you. you it is something that you achieve uh, that was part of the original plan. You, you know, you feel really proud of it. <laughs> Certainly for us, you know, that was our first customer deployed in production. Yeah. Yeah, I think another moment was when we, when, when a customer uh, deployed uh, beyond their initial deployment and then scaled it out to hundreds of racks. And, mm. you know, it's a very, it's a huge difference to deploy you know, uh, in a small environment, right? And then, course, and then yeah. take it to take it to scale, right? Then, then that that tests the the scalability of the solution. That tests, uh, and first of all, it's a, it's a validation that hmm. uh, that what we're doing matters, right? That they saw it so much value that ultimately they're going to be you know scaling it to the to the rest of their environment. Uh, but then, you know, it, it gives us validation that also that we it was the right thing to spend that much time on building the right architecture so that we are able to scale. And then when, when, when that deployment happened and you see that this, the technology is essentially able to scale, that becomes like a moment of one relief, but also a pride, right? That, wow, you know, we are able to scale this technology and address our most demanding customer needs. Brilliant, brilliant. And you talked about another thing, which was validation, and that obviously the customer validation is, validation is incredibly important. But you know, obviously, you've won our awards. That's one of the reasons we're chatting today. And I know. Well, you... that's another proud moment, of course, right? Winning the Trailblazer Award. I mean, we did, I mean, we're we're excited about that, and of course, we've also won other accolades, right, in the industry. Yes, indeed. So, which is you know, better, isn't it, that you get continuous validation from? Yes external parties which is wonderful so i mean is it something we always wonder you know how, how important is that to an organization particularly in those early days when you are asking people to you know make make miracles happen in a month <laughs> right um and sometimes there'll be low points within that and certainly others have said that you know getting something like an accolade of you know, like the Tech Trailblazers and others that you've had, you know, helps lift those spirits and just gives everybody an opportunity to celebrate 
you know, that their work is being recognized beyond, you know, obviously the customer satisfaction that they get from, from people. Yeah, absolutely. There is no question. I think we see a lot of value in that. And we, we're, we're, we're always very, um, you know, grateful and humbled when we get these accolades and then we, you know, we, we internally celebrate them. In fact, you know, we, we, you know, all of the, um, physical kind of awards we have, right? Like the statues and the play, plaques and so on, they're all displayed, you know, at our office when you, when you get in. Right. Uh, and so every employee, when they get in the door, they see them, right? Every visitor, every customer sees them, right? So we certainly see uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of value uh, in those awards. I mean, certainly, it's an honor uh, to be recognized in the industry. And so we've, we've, we have, we personally, as, as an abstract, for speaking to ourselves, we've always put the priority in applying for industry awards, and we've truly valued the importance of these industry associations right, to, to help us with creating this awareness and uh, to a much broader audience. I mean, I'd say awareness is always a key uh, goal, right, for organizations, mm. uh, you know, for startups, right. You know, at the at the end of the day, when when you're a startup, you know, the, at, when we're you know starting a company, the, all, the only people that are aware of it are the founders, <laughs> right. And then, for two years while you were stealthing through your um, initial development side, initial, it. yeah, exactly. And then when you're out, I think it's always a challenge to go out and create awareness. We we need app. We need you know, the, the, the type of customers that have those pain points to essentially uh, to, to know that Abstra addresses those pain points. And, and I think that uh, industry awards are a great way to create this uh, awareness to this uh, much larger uh, audience. And it's also industry validation, right, from a third, third party group of judges, right? So it's not, you know, uh, us saying it, it's, 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 you know, experts in the field, third party neutral experts, that are that are giving us those awards and so it's, it's super helpful again especially at an early stage it gives us the credibility uh the further credibility uh in the broad broader market amongst our customers uh, our our partners and also in from a recruiting standpoint you know for for, for a for an organized startup such as abstra uh having the right people and the right talent is always critical and it helps there as well yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, kind of to wrap up, you know, obviously we're facing incredibly difficult times at the moment, um, you know, all personally and also professionally. And from a startup's perspective, obviously um, that's no different, uh, although I'm sure there are additional challenges. But generally speaking, what, what advice are you giving to sort of your counterparts in other startups what what would you say to them about you know ensuring that you continue to build on the success you've made so far yeah no absolutely this is a great question and um you know we've we've um, you know having been in industry for for a long time we have uh, as the founders a lot of experience with uh, downturns right mm. um you know the the last big one was of course in 2008 and uh, you know to to me the way i see it is that uh, you know there there is a lot of opportunity in downturns if you play them right um you know mm. i think that uh, you know a lot of great leaders uh, or great companies today emerge from difficult economic times. And uh, in, a, in a sense, by doing the right things, you can emerge as a future uh, leader. And so mm -hmm. I think that you know, to achieve that, I think the, the first 
uh, I'd say the first thing is, uh, and that's not going to be surprising, but it's really a focus on the execution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, you know, the way I like to describe it is turn off the TV, <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, now it's not maybe the TV, but social media or whatever your news sources are and just essentially focus on delivering, right? Um, you know, there is ultimately, you know, a downturn gives you time to build in all of the product features or the capabilities that your customers required and that you have never had a chance to deliver on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you just just caught up into the day in and day out, day out. And so it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity to invest on delivering on these uh, c- capabilities. Um, you know, it, it, the other thing is that if you're in an economic downturn, it kind of like levels the playing field a bit, especially I think in this one where everyone is stuck home, right? It almost doesn't matter if you have 10,000 salespeople, you know, meeting with customers versus, you know, staying home. You have a captive audience, right, of customers that, you know, are looking at this as an opportunity to get educated on new technologies. And so as a startup, you can leverage your ability to be agile and just adapt to this new situation. And then, you know, uh, and then and then put out offerings that then uh, you know attend to this captive uh, audience. So for, for example, for us, what we've done mm-hmm. is that uh, um, uh, prior to uh, this whole crisis, we had launched uh, our AOS Academy. It essentially is a certification on intent-based networking. So if you want to learn about intent-based networking, AOS Academy is the place to go. Um, and so what we've done is that when we saw this, uh, this crisis, what we said was we need to do our part and we made it free, right? Mm-hmm. And we're seeing tremendous interest, hundreds of, uh, of uh, engineers essentially uh, using this opportunity to get educated, certified on uh, intent-based networking. Um, and so this is an example of us essentially seizing the moment uh, and you know, essentially doing something mutually beneficial to the industry and uh, and to uh, and to abstract. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing is, of course, one has to be smart, control expenses, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. invest in the critical areas again, uh, raising awareness and building, uh, building, building the the product, and yeah. you know, setting up the right incentives. Right, as mm-hmm. I said, you know, uh, in, we know that cash is is tight, and so you know, providing opportunities for customers either to learn or to deploy, you know, without having to reach to their cash, I think is, is something that, that we are doing, you know, free product training, free consultations with our sales engineers, uh, etc. Yeah. Well, I did actually notice on your LinkedIn profile that you've actually been through your own academy. So you uh, you have sampled your own um, education. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, I, I had to get certified on, <laughs> on the, on the, on, you know, on the product and the technology and, you know, and the approach that, you know, we, uh, you know, that, you know, that we promote certainly. Yes. I'm, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm actually excited to hear that you've noticed. <laughs> well, there we go. That's my job to get, to go and have a, a look at what you guys have all been up to uh, recently. And I thought, Oh, I wonder what that is. Yeah. I went and clicked, clicked through and, and had a lovely look at your certificate, in fact. Um, <laughs> in fact, two certificates. So, I mean, I think that's that's great advice. And I think, you know, one of the things around this is it's great to speak to you. You know, you've had a fantastically exciting journey, you know, challenging journey, both from the point of view of your customers and just, 
you know, getting a startup off the ground in the first place is, you know, an amazing achievement. So congratulations on that. And congratulations again on winning your award. And thank you for joining us on the Founders on Fire podcast today. Thank you. It's been brilliant. I've enjoyed chatting with you. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you very much. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye.